Well, hi again, everyone. It's Mark Stenson, and you've joined us on the podcast Unlocking Your World of Creativity, where we go around the world to talk to creative experts to get ideas on how to stimulate our original thinking, how to gain some exercises and tools to organize ideas, and most of all, make the connections and create the opportunities we need to get our work out into the world. That's sometimes the most difficult. We all carry around so many ideas and say we've got some creative projects we're working on, but somehow, whether it's real or imagined in our heads, we find blocks to keep us from hitting publish, to hitting the record button. And so we're gonna talk today to somebody who's very prolific in her creative projects. I'm so glad to go to Buenos Aires to talk to our friend, Deborah Claire Proctor. Mark, thank you so much for this invitation. I I love the theme of your podcast because creativity is something really close to my heart. Deborah is a multimedia artist and we're gonna talk about, when I say multimedia, we're talking a range of media that (laughs) you can't imagine from fine arts to dance, to theater, to music and uh, all points in between. She's also a producer of events and of creative work and a great collaborator. So it's gonna be a fantastic conversation. Glad you're along. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson, copyright 2021. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98 and the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, Mark stinson.com and enjoy the book. Well, Deborah, sometimes I like to start, you know, before we get into the bigger picture of projects, asking what's on your desk today. Uh, you've got so many projects that I'm sure you're juggling. What was your priority today? Yeah, it, it is always a juggle because projects have different time curves, I think is how I'd need to put it. So I'm at the moment, I'm working with composer Oscar Edelstein, who's an Argentinian composer. Um, and we, we've collaborated on many projects of his operas. And he's decided within this lockdown situation to do a virtual opera. So we've been reaching out to people in our network who we've worked with before. I'm reaching out to people in my networks. And we're asking them to, to record materials that will become part of an opera that Oscar is composing. So that's, that's been the first thing on my list today. And, and that, again, is this process of adapting to what does it mean to be an artist in, in this situation of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And how is that working from a long distance collaboration, virtual connections? I love the idea that you're going to record all these parts and put them together. Yeah, well, actually, I'm, I'm actually in Buenos Aires at the moment. I'm from Wales originally. Um, I've been living back and forth between Wales and Argentina for a number of years now. And so I guess there's always been a part of me that, that I, I, I always love the word bilocation. I mean, I, I think that idea of being able to be in two places at once is is part of my gypsy artist's feet. So there's part of it that I think in one sense I was prepared, but on the other side, on the other side, that sense of being an artist and the world is my oyster, suddenly the idea that travel is not something that's cheap, easy, uh, that's, it's a big blow to one's ego and it's a big challenge. It's been obviously very, very hard for the bigger companies, 
because I'm a smaller independent, in some ways I, I've got more flexibility about how I re-envisage what I do. But it, it's a challenge. It's hard. It's, it's been a big blow to the arts. Yeah. Well, I remember when we talked as coordinating this interview, you know, we said, let's imagine that it's a coffee at a uh, sidewalk cafe in Buenos Aires. Paint the picture for me, since uh, <laughs> I won't be in Buenos Aires anytime soon. What, what are those conversations like? I mean, that's the creative conversations I love, where you just yeah. get together with a creative friend and bounce ideas around. Buenos Aires is a beautiful city. It's got a real mix of old buildings. It, it's part, partly Paris, partly London. It's, it's just got so many influences. It's got lots of trees so I think it's the jacaranda tree at the moment that it's in bloom so you go down down in the avenidas there's not so many cars around and you've just got these amazing purple flowered trees you can't even see leaves they're just a, a whole um, like a cloud of purple and Buenos Aires is very like New York it's quite flat it's on a grid system so virtually the the traffic goes in one direction more or less so it's it's very easy to move around it's a it's a fantastic city it's it's very creative I learned so much from being here because in a country where there's not a stable infrastructure uh, for the arts and, and for a, for an infrastructure that really changes every time the government changes it's almost like the whole infrastructure of the arts changes if the government changes so people here are used to such a level of instability that you just can't sit back and complain and wait for the grants to come because they won't. And so here, I, the, the, the artistic community are incredibly determined and resilient and they make, they make under conditions that you would, that would make most Europeans or North Americans just go wobbly at the knees mm -hmm. because it's, it's, yeah, it's an ever changing landscape, but that's, that's why they have passionate characters um, uh, such as Maradona, um, who we're all talking about in these times, because it's a, a sense of you do it or you don't. You have to really dig into that passion and that uh, will to contribute as an artist. Mm -hmm. And you're really talking about a dichotomy of individual passion and individual creativity. But on the other hand, being a part of this ecosystem this network of collaborators how does that fit together i mean you've got to have the foundation of a love of arts i imagine to keep it keep the individual passion going i i think artists were terrible are we terrible because we do it for love the m more money should be there and we always wish there was more money and i think it's it's really important to to fight the corner of subsidized art and better subsidies so that uh, education um, there can be stronger arts education in schools and primary schools. I was really lucky growing up in Wales. We had a lot of music. We had excellent music teachers. We had sports teachers who were experts in things like Laban. So we had dance in school. I think it's really important that we subsidize and protect our arts. However, also, there's a survival instinct of what do you do? What, 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 what do we do as individuals during a situation like the coronavirus? For me, I decided, okay, I need to do smaller projects. I need to do things that I can control to kind of keep that creative muscle going. Because I do think it is a muscle. And it's like, if you don't, if you're not producing, if one isn't producing and coming up with small ideas, whether it's 
scraps of paper, notebooks, journaling, it's then harder to, to, to get into the bigger projects. So back to what you were saying earlier, on my desk is all the kind of seeds of the, the projects that I'm hoping will happen in, in I guess, 2022 is realistic. Mm-hmm. So you've got to keep all that organized, you know, the organized chaos of all the notes and ideas. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm quite obsessed about that. I guess I'm a mid-career artist and I've, I've really realized that I can get more productive the more organized I am. And I have to thank, in that sense, uh, a coach called Samantha Bennett. She's got a company called The Organized Artist Company and she does work. She's an actor. She's very funny. She's improv trained. And about 10 years ago, I discovered her online classes and really, she's just taught me so much about taking seriously the business side and not going, oh, well, somebody else will do that. You know, mm-hmm. I'll have an agent that an agent will do that. I'll have a manager. It, it doesn't always happen. And it's mm-hmm. not it's not because you're not good enough. It's not because it's just it doesn't always happen in one's career that that extra team comes along. So part of the process is learning, learning those steps like branding, marketing, things that you're highlighting as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about one of your current projects then. You've collaborated on a number of projects with uh, Oscar Edelstein. This particular project that you were talking about was only recently released. Maybe you could kind of tell us a little bit about it. Well, this is, this is uh, two tracks of two songs written by Oscar Edelstein. I'm the vocalist. So there's one track called El Rio, which is the river, and uh, another track called La Mariposa. The butterfly. El Rio is actually from a poem written by a poet, an Argentinian poet called Juan L. A. Ortiz, who lived in the province of Paraná, which is where Oscar Edelstein was born. Paraná is in the province of Entre Rios, which means between two rivers. And being from Wales, I love rivers. Wales is very, very full of, it's full of rivers, it's full of rain, it's full of valleys. Uh, so I was really, really delighted to have the opportunity uh, to sing this song of, of Oscar's, uh, which is a very, it's a very beautiful song. And he used it in an opera back in 2006. So there was a previous version to the version that I sing. Um, but he felt that he wanted to do almost like the documentary version. So I'm not a classically trained opera singer. My voice comes more from a mix of, well, my mother, my mother is a voice and speech teacher. My father's a trumpet player. So I have this kind of dual approach to the kind of musicality of the voice. So what you hear in the recordings is, is very much the fragility of the voice. Um, It's kind of the voice with some imperfections, but it's very much, it's very expressive emotional voice and Oscar pushed me into that into kind of the very very higher ranges of my voice because that was a sound color that that he liked that was that has a kind of it's almost like a sound that's slightly burnt you kind of feel like it's something's going to break and that's something I admire in lots of singers like Janis Joplin I mean you listen to Janis Joplin and you just kind of go this might be the only time she ever ever sings again because she just completely captures a moment, a a fragment of time. So I think that's something that Oscar saw in my voice and and we kind of looked for that sense of of real, um, the poem, I should say, the poem El Rio is is very much about the contrast between nature and culture. So he talks talks about 
uh, Las Rosas, the roses, and he talks about the lilies, and the lilies are the kind of wild, the wild flowers on the banks of the river. So it's a, it's a beautiful metaphor as well about kind of, you know, you think, oh, the rose is so beautiful because it's almost so perfect in its, in its, uh, in its form, in its cultivation, yet maybe the little the little herbs, the little weeds, the little, the, it's very much about the things we don't necessarily notice. Very good. Well, let's play some of it. This is El Rio, The River, composed by Oscar Edelstein and performed and vocal Deborah Claire Proctor. We'll come back and talk about a couple of creative notes. El Rio Yes, as lilas little bit about how this production came about. The recording, this is a song that I've sung many, many times live with the Ensemble National de Sur, which is the ensemble of Oscar Edelstein. A, a very interesting group because Oscar proposed the idea to himself, like we were talking about earlier, the lack of subsidy here. It's almost like as an Argentinian composer, what is the chamber music for, a, for an Argentinian Latin American is it appropriate to kind of have quartet with strings and cellos? Isn't that what Europe does really well? So would I do the same? So his his ensemble, uh, the National del Sur, is actually a four-hander plus Oscar playing piano, more in the format of a, a rock group. So it's a, a guitar, keyboards, drums, electronics, and What's amazing about the way they work is because Oscar works with the sound color, he really creates a sound where you kind of listen to the some of the albums and you go, what instrument was that? Was that, hang on, was that a drum or was that, he very much uses the thing of, it's called, I think it's ADSR, attack, delay, sustain, release. And that's that sense of a note we, we understand a note is a violin because of the particular combination of those sounds of that attack, sustain, delay, release. So Oscar plays with that as an orchestrator to create, just with four very normal kind of rock format, to create sound colors and sound textures that you really kind of go, hang on, was that? And it's all in, it's not post-production. And that was the interesting thing. It's things that can be played live because it's not post-production editing. That's fantastic. It really, it's, it does have a very unique sound. That's why I was curious of how it came together. It's really unique. It is quite curious. And, and it's also, it's, um, I mean, the, the question these days is that we listen to music in very different ways. I think these two tracks are actually work better played in a room. And I'm not sure they work so well with headphones because there's something about when sound is in a space is very different to when it's, directly in your ears but you know we hope that people will play with that and play with that sensation of how they experience because 
they're theatrical. There's a the theatricality to these tracks, and that that's great for me because my my original background is theatre, so I I've always sung in the context of productions, plays, or most of the acting work I've had has been because I could also sing. So to me, it, it was quite a challenge to move into recorded the recorded moment because it is very much freezing. It's a, it's a picture of the film mm -hmm. in a way. Other it's than a just the live performance. Yeah, it's, yeah. 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 Well, let's go to the next stage then, and that's the sort of production and release and marketing and promotion. And one of the themes of our podcast is really how to get this work out. It seemed like you've become a real master of connections that, you know, you just keep finding people and connect the dots one after another until you create that constellation of people you need to, to be a part of. I'm rolling up my sleeves because, yes, it, I, I mean, it's something I've got better at, to be honest, Mark, because I was, I was quite an introverted child in the sense that I was a real bookworm. And I think what happens when you read lots and lots and lots and lots of books is that there's a stage when you're a younger person that you can't, can't exactly, can't always speak how much is actually in your head. And so <laughs> it gets really busy in there. It gets so busy that sometimes nothing comes out. <laughs> So I do remember kind of having challenges about communication and realizing many years ago I needed to work on that. So I discovered techniques like neuro-linguistic programming, which Tony Robbins has now made famous, but I think it's really great work for working on one's communication skills. And then, as you said, I think it's it, it kind of is partly my determination that, that definitely Latin America has taught me how much that determination, if you want to do it, go do it and it is then dot by dot and I remember a theatre guru um, called Jerzy Grotowski from Poland who was very much part of the theatre work that I studied at university and he talked about don't be a tourist and he was such a guru with big big beard and, and, and created amazing performance work and it was a legacy for people in experimental theatre like myself and that idea of don't be a tourist, it used to terrify me because I just thought, what does it mean? And now I've really discovered that what it means is, and especially in social media, is how do you go deep? How do you just not collect connections? Or if you collect connections, how do you go deep? How do you create meaningful conversations? Mm -hmm. And how has that worked for you? <laughs> well, to be honest, this is going back to those cafe conversations, I there's been part of lockdown that has been amazing. I, through my LinkedIn, which I love, I've reached out to people and said, hey, why don't we have a virtual coffee? And not only is it easy, I don't have to worry about what to wear. I don't have to worry about where do we meet. I don't have to worry about who's paying for the coffee or do I pay for their, there have been so many things, so many social anxieties that have been taken off you know, so there's been one, the, the, all the anxieties of getting ill have been one thing, but I've actually enjoyed, I've really enjoyed using Zoom to, to reach out and meet people. And I really do realize that it is one person at a time. And, and actually, that makes it so much easier. It takes away, you're not kind of going, oh, I'm in a busy room with lots of people. Who should I speak to? Oh, I think I'll go to the buffet table and eat. <laughs> <laughs> There's networking groups we all know and love. The speed dating, the card exchange. It does uh, eliminate a lot of that, doesn't it? It does. And I think what, you, what I come away with, what is authentic 
to me and my art is how how amazing people are and if i stick on that side of that simple kind of sense of wow hello hello <laughs> we're, we're talking across across continents and keeping the curiosity which again is a, is a very important to me in creativity so if i keep that curiosity towards another and it's, it's a huge lesson i think as well i was very emotionally impacted by the death of george floyd mm -hmm. this year it pushed me even more to kind of keep questioning myself where are the limits of the conversations i'm having who's in my world who's close who just really challenging myself on that and uh, what is your approach you know we all face these obstacles to getting the work produced and out how do you address some of those obstacles what's your approach <laughs> I, I think drop the kicking and screaming i mean it just doesn't <laughs> help does it <laughs> i've discovered it does not help <laughs> <laughs> Although I sustained that approach for too long. <laughs> um, yes, these things aren't easy. Um, I, I love Seth Godin, and he talks about how one should get good at shipping and producing yes. and shipping. And I and I can't. I, you know, I'm far from where I'd like to be on that line. But yeah, I think it's it's a case of taking oneself less seriously. Um, it's lots of paradoxes because you have to not take yourself seriously yet take yourself seriously enough that it's that you're doing work that's important that's valuable it's a dance it's a dance and i think time is short i i i look at the life of maradona and i feel ashamed at how little i've done i mean warts and all nobody's perfect i started a podcast in march that was partly me challenging myself to not be perfect to know I'm good enough and, and from that good enough leave some of the decisions of whether people want to, to consume or not to them. Yes, exactly. It, it, it's like, let it go. And okay, if in a year it's fallen flat, then, then that's like kind of keep going, keep going to drop the standards. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we, we're, when you think the idea of a standard, a standard bearer was one of the people at the front of the, yes. of the battle. And, and in some ways you're like, drop the standards, get off the high horse, find that innocence. I, I love the approach that Oscar takes, Oscar Edelstein takes with many of his operas because he knows that the vision and the reality are going to be very diff different because it's, it's not like there's a budget to make things easily. For myself as a European performer, I found it really challenging working here because it was like every week the rehearsal room was a different room. And so there was never a consistency. There was such such inconsistency. Oh, I can't come today because it, it was there was no. Oh, here you are, one rehearsal room, three weeks rehearsal. It just didn't exist. But what Oscar does is often use. He'll often say, "This is part one. Mm. This is version two. <laughs> and 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 I I love that because it it takes away the. Oh, I'll, I'll wait till it's you know the perfect version. Yes. It's like, well, let, this is the this is the the beta model. It's the it's the uh, version we have now. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, and you're describing a kind of a fine line between this persistence, resilience. Yeah, you, know, you just stay at it till it's done. But on the other hand, stay flexible, be imperfect, be vulnerable to the changes. Uh, how do you balance those two things? Lots. I don't know. I think. I think. I think the, the responsibility of an artist is to be the swan, is to be the kind of a moment of elegance and, and nobody needs to know that underneath the, mm -hmm. the legs are kicking like crazy. 
I think the responsibility is then to do whatever homework feels like you need to do, whether that's I do meditate, I do journal, I do eat well, uh, I don't drink, you know, I, you, one has to find those qualities that, that kind of give a, an average of then something that, that you can contribute that's clarity. I have a company called Clear Insight Productions and the joke to me is like, I'm not clear, I'm not insightful <laughs> and I'm not productive most of the time. <laughs> Oh, so, so your company name is more of an affirmation than it is a description. I think it's a threat, actually. I think it, it came to me a few years ago, and I was just like, oh, dear. <laughs> Where do we get from here? You better be clear. I love that. Yeah, so it's, so it is, it's yeah, balancing um, and, and taking the, ne the next step. And, and, and I won't even say just taking the next step, because I know in younger years, just taking that next step felt like torture. Um, and I think. It, there's no easy there's no easy formula and that's why it's beautiful and that that's why i think we are encouraged by the artistic temperament uh, the artistic production because it's it gives us a sense of um time and space and here we are and yeah there's only we're here for a short time let's dance let's create let's i i had coming out of the study of neurolinguistic programming i had a teacher called stephen gilligan and he, he talks about something called um, repoet, repoet, I can't say it now, how to repoetize life. That's a great that's line. Beautiful. That's a and, great and word. It, because, because if not, life would be boring. So let's, let's take a risk and make a mistake and fall flat to our face. I think that's important. I think it's, it's what we need from each other to show a bit of humanity. Mm -hmm. well, that's a great theme. Yeah, I'm going to write that word down, and I'm going to use it as much as I can this week. Well, Deborah, what's on the horizon? What 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 can you see over the hill or across the river? If we could continue that theme, I don't know, Mark, because in in one sense, my way of of coping with coronavirus was to not envisage too far ahead, because it felt like the landscape was changing so drastically that actually the energy of projecting at this moment wasn't going to be yeah, wasn't going to be useful because I because it's like this, it's a guesswork. So um, I'm really excited about my podcast, Make Monday Mine. I've been enjoying that. I think more of the same. If life continues, I feel very blessed to be involved in creative projects. I'm enjoying working with coaching clients and helping them tap into their creativity. Uh, even if they're entrepreneurs doing something else, I enjoy setting up these little sparks of creativity and that's why i've met somebody like you who's also got that same flavor and spirit so more of the same i hope the i hope these two tracks that are about to be released and uh, launched all over will continue to give people a poetic moment and how can we connect with you and continue to follow your work if you put my name in Google, uh, you'll find me LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn, so meet me there, Deborah Claire Proctor. My website is clearinsight.co.uk. And keep in conversation because I need more clarity, insight, and productivity. And yes, I think, I think 2020 has been such a challenging year that I really hope that it, the cost of it will be that these conversations keep happening and that we keep digging into what it means to be human, what it means for a wider sense of well-being for, for each and every one of us. 
Uh, very good. And listeners, she really does mean connect with her on LinkedIn. We, we met on LinkedIn only a month ago, and now we already have 13 friends in common. The, the network grows fast, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. And it's supposed people are important. If we, can, if we can help each other reflect the best of ourselves back and forth, then yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Deborah. Really enjoyed the conversation. Me My too. guest has been Deborah Claire Proctor, a multimedia artist and a producer, and just a creative spirit in her own right, bilocated in Wales, UK, and Buenos Aires, Argentina. And uh, between repoetizing my life and living bilocated, I've taken away so much from this conversation. And listeners, uh, come back again next time because we'll have another interview with a delightful creative person like Deborah. But we're going to talk about your most original thinking. We'll get inspiration from our experts' opinions. But most of all, we'll talk about the opportunities to get your work out into the world. So to you and unlocking your world of creativity, all the best. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stimson Copyright 2021created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book A World of Creativity for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.